You're listening to Comedy Central. Introducing Kick-Ass News, the iTunes Top 20 podcast that is a twice-weekly dose of sanity for a world gone mad. In the age of fake news and alternative facts, real news and actual facts almost seem quaint. Host Ben Mathis offers witty, insightful commentary and elevated, entertaining conversations with guests like Bill Murray, Whitney Cummings, David Sedaris, Jake Tapper, Jordan Klepper, and more. Subscribe to Kick-Ass News on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. June 25th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Take a seat. Take a seat. Wow, you guys are amazing. The neighbors are gonna call the cops. My guest tonight is the CEO of Rap-A-Lot Records and author of the new book, The Art and Science of Respect. Jay Prince is here, everybody. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. In international news, Saudi Arabia just doubled their traffic. A new era is underway in Saudi Arabia this morning. Have you heard? Newly empowered women got behind the wheel overnight as the world's last ban on female drivers ended. I like being independent. I don't like to count on someone else to do my stuff for me. The Saudi government has set up high-tech, all-female driving schools to help others pass their test. Hannah is a fan of extreme sports, who agreed to show us her drift driving skills. It's like I'm in control of where I want to go. This feeling, I love it. Wow, congratulations, Saudi women. That's great news. And it's about time. It's really about time, too. It is a year before we all switch to self-driving cars. I feel like the Saudi played that safe. (laughs) But still, congrats. But you know what, for me, the best best part of the story is seeing the women drive. Because you can't tell me that's their first time driving, yeah? (laughs) When they're Tokyo drifting like that, it's like, come on. These women are like, oh, no, Mr. Man, please help me to drive. No, I've never done this before. So, yeah. Women in Saudi Arabia are celebrating that they can now drive. Uh, And I think they're celebrating until people start asking them for rides to the airport. (laughs) Be like, Fatima, can you drop me off? Oh, no, I'm old school, Sharia. I don't believe we should drive. I (laughs) I think we should go back to the old ways. In other good news, the reunion of parents and children separated at the border is just a call away. ICE has posted information in all of its facilities advising detained parents who are trying to locate and or communicate with a child in the custody of HHS to call the detention, reporting an information line for assistance, which is staffed by live operators Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Why is the call center only open on weekdays? Like, is it me or should the hotline for stolen children have better hours than Comcast? (laughs) Why do you have those hours? Seriously, dealing with a call center in America is such a nightmare. I wouldn't be shocked if some of the parents get the message and they'll be like, hey, uh, you hear about the call center? They'll be like, they separated my 
my child, I don't know where my child is. And be like, well, you, you just need to call the call center and you can find them. Call center? You know, my kids have to learn how to be alone at some point, you know. Uh, <laughs> he's two and a half, it's, a t it's time, it's time. All right, well, that's the headlines. Let's move on, Tom, main story. Sound effects. The immigration debate <laughs> continues to dominate the news. Families separated, children in cages, and now people are going hungry. A Virginia restaurant refused service to White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. <laughs> Stephanie Wilkinson, owner of the Red Hen in Lexington, Virginia, told the Washington Post she asked Sanders to leave because she works for a, quote, inhumane and unethical administration. That's right, a Virginia restaurant tossed Sarah Huckabee Sanders out and refused her service. And I know, no, I know that you guys are cheering, but I'm sorry, I think that was the wrong thing to do. I think what the restaurant should have done is treated her the same way she treats the press. Yeah, they should have just brought her an empty plate, and then when she goes, uh, where's my food, you go, oh, it's right there, it's right there. <laughs> it's, it's right there. She'd be like, there's no food. And they'll be like, well, the chef told us there's food, so there must be food there. <laughs> and that's our position, that's it. You know, when you think about it, when you think about it, asking Sanders to leave was probably the nicest thing they could have done. The waiter was probably like, listen, if I'm being honest, all the chefs are jizzing in your food right now. <laughs> so, if I were you, I'd go get a pizza at one of those places where you can watch them make it, yeah. <laughs> so, look, all in all, I'm gonna be honest, I don't think this was so bad for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Of course, she sees the whole incident a little differently. Here's what uh, the press secretary for President Trump tweeted out. She writes, quote, Last night I was told by the owner of Red Hen in Lexington, Virginia, to leave because I work for President Trump, and I politely left. Her actions say far more about her than about me. I always do my best to treat people, including those I disagree with, respectfully, and will continue to do so. Really? <laughs> you always do your best to treat people with respect? Come on, Sarah. We've seen how you treat journalists on TV. Like, come on, you can't lie about your job when your job is on camera. <laughs> yeah, just ask the police. It comes back to bite you every time. And actually, and actually, wh when you look at what happened, Sarah Sanders didn't get that bad a deal. Yes, they asked her to leave, but they had already served her a cheese board, right? It was a cheese board appetizer, which they didn't charge her for. Yeah, and honestly, if I was Sarah Huckabee Sanders, instead of complaining about this, I would use it to my advantage. Yeah, I'd just go to different restaurants in a disguise, <laughs> and then I'd order all my cheese, and then once I'd got it, I'd reveal myself like, aha, it is I, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, from the Trump administration. Y'all got cheese, bitches. You'll be getting free food the whole time. Yeah. The, the only way that wouldn't work, the only time it wouldn't work is if the restaurant was owned by an immigrant. Because immigrants, we don't play those games. Like, we'll kick you out and still make you pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, an immigrant owner, he'd be like, you need to get out. Sarah, you need to get out. You need to, he's like, I'm getting out. No, no, first you pay. You pay first, <laughs> then you get out. But you're kicking us out. Yes, I'm kicking you out and you're going to pay, okay? <laughs> cheese is not free. Cheese is not political, okay? Cheese is not Trump or Democrat, okay? Yeah, you eat the cheese, you pay, you leave. <laughs> now, as you might expect, uh, the president of the United States quickly jumped to Sanders' defense. I mean, not physically, of course, because of bone spurs, but <laughs> he did it on Twitter. The president just tweeted about it. He said the Red Hen restaurant should focus more on cleaning its filthy canopies 
doors and windows badly needs a paint job rather than refusing to serve a fine person like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I always had a rule. If a restaurant is dirty on the outside, it is dirty on the inside. I love how President Trump always goes right to the appearance of something, you know? Even when it makes no sense. He's like, oh yeah? Well, guess what, restaurant? You ugly. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't eat there with Mike Pence's dick. <laughs> Why are you dissing their looks? Now, Sanders' farm to table to sidewalk meal was just the latest incident in a string of Trump folks getting confronted in public. Last week, I don't know if you remember, Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen had her fiesta gone loco. And uh, <laughs> in Florida, in Florida, left-wing protesters chased a Trump-friendly state attorney general, Pam Bondi, from a screening of the new Mr. Rogers documentary. Yeah. The weirdest part of that was when Mr. Rogers joined in. <laughs> he was like, everyone deserves love and compassion. Is that Pam Bondi? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> And now, and now, and now it's gotten so bad that even low-level Trump staffers are feeling the heat. You know, many say dating in D.C. is pretty hard. Yeah, but apparently dating in D.C. as a staffer of the Trump administration, even harder. According to an article by Politico, current and former staffers say they're often ridiculed by prospective dates online. Mm -hmm. Some say they're denied when someone finds out where they work or that they voted for President Trump. As a result, many young staffers say they have decided to date exclusively within the administration. Oh, <laughs> oh that is... Yo, that is so sad. White House staff can't get anyone to swipe right on them, yeah? <laughs> or, or I guess in their case, far right, right? And I, and, I know, and I know they're saying they can't get dates online because they work for Trump, but just look at all these male models who have worked for Trump and, uh, <laughs> like, something tells me it's not their political views holding them back. Yeah, because I know they want to blame the president, but Trump is smashing, let's be honest. Like, these guys... Like, if you ask me, saying it's about Trump is just an excuse girls probably use to let Stephen Miller down easy. It's just like, yeah, I can't date you because of your boss. Yeah, it's totally not because you look like a Slytherin professor <laughs> who got me too. Yeah. So, Trump people are getting a lot of pushback in public these days. And there's a lot of debate going on about whether it's going too far. You know, but if you ask Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters, this isn't going far enough. Maxine Waters told her supporters to confront other Trump cabinet officials. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. Damn, I love how. I love how. I love how Maxine Waters has gone from formal impeachment request to we need to jump this fool and his boys <laughs> wherever we see them. Gas stations, anywhere. They're gonna come correct. We're gonna jump them and tell them how we feel. <laughs> so look, honestly, uh, I feel bad for Sarah Sanders and her people. You know, some restaurants won't serve them. People on dating sites prejudge them before even giving them a chance. And every time they step outside, they're made to feel like they don't even belong here. It's really horrible. But on the plus side, now the Trump administration has a taste of what it's like to be a minority. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight, 
My guest tonight is an entrepreneur who started one of the first independent rap labels, Rap-A-Lot Records. He has a new memoir called The Art and Science of Respect. Please welcome Jay Prince. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Privilege and honor to be here. It's so great to have you because so many times in conversations in and around hip hop, the culture, the music, and what it's created, the name Jay Prince comes up. Uh, many people don't know that, that you were the name and the inspiration behind some of the greatest names in hip hop that, uh, you know, that we know today. But your story is what you talk about in this book. When you, when you went into music, when you started your company, you had a specific purpose, and that was to change your life and your mom's life. Why was that so important to you? It was important because <clears throat> all of my life, uh, we lived in the projects, and I would hear my mom, you know, wish for a home. You know, I want a home one day. So, you know, my inspiration came from, you know, watching her deal with poverty, watching my grandmother deal with poverty. And, you know, at the age of eight, nine years old, I, I vowed that I was going to be the one to break the poverty curse on my family. Right. And... <laughs> what, what, I, what I really found, uh, you know, insightful in the book is you talk about that curse and how it can affect the community, how it can affect the people. You didn't go on to create just a record label. You also went to make... You went on to make sure that your, your company employed people who couldn't get opportunities, people who had records, people who had been caught up in the justice system. That, that also, that seems like a risky proposition, but you said, no, I'm gonna hire these ex-cons that nobody wants to hire, why? Well, that meant a lot to me because I grew up with a lot of these guys and I witnessed uh, the system not being willing to give them a second chance. And once I uh, got in a position of power and you know, had an understanding with the guys and you told them, you can't straddle the fence. If you're willing to change your life, then, you know, I will extend uh, an invitation and opportunity for you to do just that. And, you know, we all came together and built the number one independent record label of the year, you know, for years. Right. Yeah. You, 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 you were behind a lot of the music that came from the South, a lot of what hip-hop is today. People credit to Jay Prince. In the arts of science, uh, the, the art of science of respect, um, there are a lot of conversations in and around respect in hip-hop. A lot of the times that connotation comes from, you know, gangs or violence. People go like, oh, the only way you get respect is by shooting. But Jay Prince, the one thing you always hear people say is, no, Jay Prince, people respect the businessman. People respect the work ethic. Was, was that really important for you, uh, you know, in your career? Yeah, very important. And, and, it, and it begins with giving respect. You know, I come from a family, I come from a uh, 114-year-old great-grandmother who uh, emphasized the importance of respect. And, and I learned, and I carried it with me in my business and personal levels, and I was able to, uh, you know, live off of those same standards that she left with me with, you know, years ago. Right. And it worked today. You, you're, you're in many ways, reading through this book, what I loved about it is you're like the Forrest Gump of hip-hop. Like, I'm serious, there are so many amazing stories in this book where you're like, you were there, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean you, you, it had a tragic ending, but you, you 
spoke to Tupac and Biggie about squashing their beef. At a time when many people were like, this is what hip hop is about, you said to them they need to squash the beef. You even warned Biggie not to travel to cities that didn't want him. You talk about that in the book. That seems counter to what people want hip hop to be, and yet you didn't want that, why? Well, you know, I feel like somebody have to have some sense. Somebody have to know how to think. You know what I mean? You get a, a, a bunch of people that can't think again, uh, together and, you know, a bad ending is going right. to take place. So I tried to separate myself and think above and beyond, you know, the standards. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Right. And now, a lot of people may not know this, but the, the forward of this book was written by Drake. Yeah. And people go like, why, why would Drake write that forward? But it was actually your son who discovered Drake on MySpace, and then it was yourself who put Drake together with Cash Money and with Lil Wayne, which is the reason we know Drake today. Um, are the rumors true that you were, again, a force of, of peace between Drake and Pusha T, where you stepped in and said, hey, I, I don't think this beef needs to happen? Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I felt that way because I felt like the beef crossed the lines of music. You know, when you talk about one's mother, his father, uh, and then you go on and, you know, his friend whom is dying, then I feel like that crosses the guidelines where music is concerned. Right. And once you do that, then that's how you have a Tupac and a Biggie situation right. because those guys have no breaks after that. Right. So, you know, I felt like uh, I should speak up. I did because, you know, with Drake, we, we are about a movement, not a moment. Right, right. It's a movement, not a moment. Your life has been a movement, moving from one place to the next, an independent rap label that in many ways started everything we know as hip-hop today, what people are experiencing. Where does Jay Prince go from here? What are you, what are you still trying to do? Well, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying life. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of movie guys right now. Right. Because, you know, there's an interest in a movie since I have put this book out, and uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good movie. I, yo, man, as someone who's read it, I can agree with that. Thank you so much for being on the Let show. Available July 6th. Jay Prince, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.